I want to speak today from God's Word on the basis of the reading that you heard from Romans chapter 8 a moment ago. I want to say this about that text. It's one of the most difficult in the scriptures to preach on. And it's maybe one of the most difficult to listen to. It's because the thoughts in these verses are so profound and so deep that we need God's Spirit to help those who talk about these words and those who hear them so that we might understand. My prayer and my goal for this sermon is that what you hear from God's Word will give you a better way to interpret the things of life, to understand more clearly what goes on around you and why that is. But beyond that, in the midst of living in that kind of a world, to be people of hope, to take great hope in the glory that God has prepared for you. The two words that stand out in today's lesson are groans and glory. Those don't seem to go together. They seem like two words that simply can't mix, two pieces of a puzzle that don't fit. But they're here for God to use to teach us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. I don't think I have to make the case very strongly this morning about the fact that the world is in bad shape. That's really evident. The whole universe, the whole creation, as well as ourselves individually, participate in a frustration and a futility about the world in which we live. I had two things happen to me this past week that tie exactly into the message of these verses. The first is I had opportunity to go with some relatives to visit the Carnton Plantation in Franklin. I had not done that before as long as I've lived here, but what an experience. If you have not done that, you should. It tells a story of something that happened during the Battle of Franklin. An anniversary we'll be celebrating in November, the 150th anniversary of that worst of battles in the Civil War. As I toured the grounds and then went to the field hospital, the Carton Plantation, where hundreds of wounded and dying were brought for medical treatment and saw what happened there in that room. I could hear the groans and the sighs of people dying and suffering. Then last Friday, in watching the evening news, one of the national news broadcasters came on and said, before I begin this broadcast, I want you to know as viewers that when you hear this broadcast tonight, you'll think the world is coming apart. And this broadcaster went on to report the news about what's happening in the Middle East, about the Malaysian airliner shot down and people lost, 
about the wildfires in western part of Washington State. And when it was all over, I did have to agree, it sounded like the world was coming apart. Have you ever felt that way? Has it ever seemed to you that things around you, both in the universe and in the world at large, as well as our communities, and in your own heart and life, do you ever feel like groaning and sighing? Why? And what's going on? This text tells us the whole creation groans. There is something about our world that says it's not all right. Something is amiss. And there is a frustration that's universal, a futility that we can feel and sense all around us. And not only that, but we ourselves groan inwardly. I have to tell you that in my years as serving as a pastor... I've had occasion to stand by many people in many different circumstances of life, and many of those involve some sort of suffering. I did not always have the words to say. The only word in those times is the word of God. And I often wondered with those who were suffering, why? And what does this mean? And I have to tell you that pastors are not exempt from participating in the suffering of this world. We too know inwardly and groan often and sigh about things that go on in our lives and in our families. For it's universal to all of us. Something is wrong. Something is out of joint. As we talk this morning, we know that newscasters can report the events, but they cannot tell us why they are so and explain it. God's word this morning gives us an insight that maybe we have not realized about why things are as they are all around us. You know, when God made this world and created this universe, he pronounced it very good. He put his stamp of approval on everything that was made as being perfect. And then we know the rest of the story. We know how Adam and Eve went over the boundary. They doubted that God said, you should not eat of this one tree. They listened to the voice of Satan who said, God's holding out on you. He knows you want to be like him. And God said, in the day that they ate, they would die. And they ate and the world died. They died and the universe around them was now filled with death. God pronounced a curse. He said to Adam, you plant, there'll be thorns and weeds. He said to Eve, there will be pain in childbearing. God made it so that the world was now in a state of frustration. Now, don't ask me to explain why he did that or what was God thinking and doing, except that this text says this morning, God subjected the world to futility the creation, so that it could be liberated from the bondage of corruption. I can't look into the mind of God and say, why did he consign the universe to futility and frustration? Except to say, God in his wisdom knew what would happen if he left things the way they were. 
God knew that eventually we would become so enamored of this world or doing things in it, we would lose sight of him. Or God knew that we would be so caught up in this world, we would lose any sense of future. For whatever reason, God in his divine wisdom chose to let this world remain in a state of frustration and futility. Not as punishment for all of us for our sins, but as evidence that man fell. Adam disobeyed. And when he did, the whole creation felt that. And all people who live in it. But one thing that this text says that I want to say to you especially this morning, and it's what people who do not hear God's word or believe that it has a message for them, they don't know this. When God subjected the created order into futility and frustration so that we would long for something more, so that we would realize this is not our forever home, he did it in hope. The text this morning from Romans says, God subjected the created order to futility in hope, in hope of the freedom and the liberation of this created order. And that's what gives me and you this morning great reason to praise God and to take hope. It's a way that helps us to understand the world around us rather than saying, well, God must be cruel. Look at how things are going on. Or God must not care. It's all out of control. Rather, we live in a time of frustration and futility, but also a time of longing. It's like The weight and the burden of what we live in makes us long for more, to look beyond where we are out into the future. The way Paul describes it in Romans 8 is like childbirth. And those of you who have gone through that or who will go through it know, yes, there is pain and a certain degree of agony in that, but there is always the outcome of joy, of being delivered and the gift that God gives in that delivery. I think life in this world is like that. That's what Paul is saying. It's like the whole world is in a process of labor and delivery. And one day, God in the right time will bring to pass what he has in mind for us. He'll give us the glory that he has prepared for those who now groan in the midst of frustration. I don't know how else to explain it, perhaps to use another illustration like going to the hospital. If you've been in the hospital and have received treatment for something that causes you pain or discomfort, you know that while you're there, it may not be the most pleasant thing in the world, but what do you look forward to? Going home. You can't wait for that doctor to come in and say, you know, in two days we're going to discharge you, go home. And so the pain or whatever you're going through at the moment can be carried and borne because you know what's ahead, home. I believe it's that way that God promises the present time of suffering can't be compared to going home, to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And that's the third part I want to talk to you this morning about finally. How do we live in that kind of world? How do we live in the world that is now filled with frustration and futility where the expectations we have of a better and perfect world will never be realized? How do we keep going in that kind of world? 
And God says we are to live with hope. And for that living of hope, with hope, he has given us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God at work in us gives us the conviction of faith that God loves us, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. After all, what did Jesus do? He was born in pain. He died in pain. And the three years he spent on this earth, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He tasted the agony and the frustration of living here in a fallen world so that he might redeem us and give us eternal hope. And so when God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit through his word and through baptism, he gives three gifts that we can long for and hope for in the glory that he has promised. The first one is the redemption of our bodies. Your body and mine, which at times experiences disease, illness, arthritis, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, you name them all. We're all subject to them. One day we know that our physical bodies after death will be raised glorious. Glorious like the body of Jesus Christ. The pain, the agony, the discomfort, all the things that we go through here will be put to death, will be laid down. And in the resurrection of the body to new life, God will give us redemption of our bodies. The second gift is he'll give us adoption as sons. You're God's son and God's daughter right now. You couldn't be more fully a son or a daughter of God than the gift he has given you right now of the assurance your sins are forgiven and you are one with him. But the full possession of that adopted status will not be until after the resurrection. And the glory that will be revealed in us is that to which we look forward. Our adoption will be announced before the whole universe. And God will say to you and me in Jesus Christ, come inherit what I have prepared for you from the beginning of the world. And the third gift that God gives us of glory that is to be revealed is a new heaven and a new earth. This text in Romans 8 says that God will make this heaven and this new earth a place that is renewed. The creation that groans now will be a creation that is perfect. I can't describe that to you. I can't tell you what God will do with a new heaven and a new earth and what we'll be doing and what it will look like. That's beyond my ability or beyond ours of what God has revealed. But this I do know. It will be a glorious place. We will not be spirits just kind of floating around somewhere out in the ether in the universe. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Perfect. Paradise restored. You can look forward to that. And in the midst of this world, the suffering that go through, our bodies will be redeemed, our adoption will be certified, and God will give us a new heaven and a new earth. I'm not saying this to you to overlook what you have to go through, nor am I saying I am exempt from it either. The world will continue to be a frustrating place to live in. And there will be times we'll be tempted to not be people of hope, but to believe we can take it over and do it ourselves. 
or we'll let the things that bother us loom larger than the promises that God gives us. But one thing I can assure you of is what Paul says in today's text. The Holy Spirit prays with us. There are those times as I think and you think about what is to come, the glory that is to be revealed. What will it be like someday? I don't know what to pray for. I can't put that in words. It's too much. But God's Spirit has been given to us to sigh with us, groan with us in our inability to pray and to make our prayers known to God. Just think of that. God's Spirit prays with you when you don't even know the words or can't say what you want to say. I can think of no better words than these to close today's message that gives us an understanding of the world in which we live and gives us a hope to look forward to the glory that God has revealed. Paul says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.